Hi, welcome to Aim at One Minute. I'm Adrian, and it's my great pleasure to speak to you today about death, or deaths in plural, to help with life. I'm doing this because people talk about hindsight being 2020, and because that is often true, maybe a, that approach might help to look at life. In other words, to understand life better, let's look at death better. Let's understand death better. Embrace is a better word. Death is, for all but masters like Jesus, a certainty. It's the end of our present physical manifestation. So if our lives all lead up to death, shouldn't we be prepared for it? Instead of, in Western culture anyway, doing all that we can to avoid it, either by attempting to extend our lives or simply to avoid what is a taboo topic. And I'm reminded of just how big a taboo this is because the farm where I live is mooted to become a rather upmarket memorial park, cemetery if you like, and the reaction from some neighbors is beyond hysterical. In our modern culture, we spend so much time in denial, concocting ways to beat death, refusing to allow nature to just be true, to allow nature to take its course. And we've lost so much wisdom as a result. Our fear-based conditioning will be the death of us, not literally perhaps, but the dumbing down that comes with conditioning is contrary to our purpose of incarnating, and that's to get closer to God by the friction of being in this material realm where we perceive as through a glass darkly, to paraphrase St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians. In other words, striving, although we cannot see God's bigger picture clearly, when we have to live the question without knowing the answer. The general answer is to connect to one mind, that being God's mind. I don't mean brain. Let me be very clear about that. Some of the conventionally brainiest people seem to me to be the most switched off, and that's because they're so lost in the intellect and ego in being what a friend calls little gods, and I see little gods everywhere I turn. better way of connecting is through meditation, through prayer, through finding ways to bridge the gap between our conscious and our subconscious, through realizing the divinity within us and within all creation, bridging that gap to connect to where we come from. Remember, we're not human beings. We're in a human incarnation. We are souls. We are the, we are the sum total of all our lives and experiences. Why meditation? Because generally our brains are too full of doing, not being. Be still and know that I'm God is terribly important. Not until this time can you gain enlightenment, a high guide told me. When you try meditation, it can be too forced as well. All the time, we need to watch the mind. The most basic need, the most basic requirement is to know the mind. Firstly, it helps in an earthly way. When you're uptight, you tend to lose things, you get distracted, you have accidents. You also can get thrown into a, a negative frame of mind. Or not being quite yourself frame of mind, at, at least. Because you attach yourself to what is going on in an earthly, worldly sense. You get pulled into that and it becomes your reality. And it's not true reality. If you go through your day 
you can bring every problem you have back to your mind. Secondly, and more importantly, it helps you to get back to your spirit self, the one I mentioned just now, what's inside you. Buddhism, I believe, is the most expedient way to enlightenment. No matter what religion you might subscribe to, Buddhism is essentially a way, not a religion. There's a lovely story of a Catholic priest who maintains that Buddhism makes him a better priest, a better Christian. We also connect whenever we practice or perform spiritual work, such as healing. Whatever way you choose, all such paths fly in the face of convention and social conditioning. And I think it's absurd that pathways to enlightenment, understanding and Godhead are deemed radical, outlandish, novel, often new age bull, when really all such paths are ancient. Yes, there's many modern spins to things, Outlandish is, I'm being euphemistic, dangerous is actually what I mean to say. I think anything that threatens the matrix is dangerous to those in power and those who bought into the matrix, which seems to be the vast, unconscious, uncaring majority. I believe Jesus would be in more trouble if he entered the world today. I don't think he'd make it to his mid-30s. Why should you question convention? What's wrong with social conditioning? What is the matrix? I do assume that people have either seen the film or seen enough references to it, hoping that they've grasped what that film was about, not a science fiction action flick, really. It largely looks at the illusory material existence that people subscribe to as fact or truth. A social media meme says it's a documentary, just like George Orwell's 1984 seems to be a handbook for corrupt powermongers. Both are not too different from what every faith has warned us about or against. And regarding faith, although I believe that all religions are a bridge between God and his people, I also believe that religion is all too often what gives faith a bad name, and that the Christian church and other such institutions are responsible for much evil conditioning. I studied history of art and it occurred to me then that many of the most evil men in history were popes. Traditionally, the church is about power and control and uses fear as a tool. Turn or burn, we are your intermediary with God, we are the authority. Yeah. That's not one mind. One mind is the only thing that connects us with God or divinity, the universe, whatever you choose to name a higher power. I do believe, though, that it is true that purification of mind is the greatest common denominator of all religions. So sure, pick a faith or a religion as a vehicle, but it's your own connection with God. That personal journey that requires no policeman, judge, or jury, because we are our own best and sternest judges and critics. If we don't blot our conscience with rationalization born of conditioning, if we listen to the little voices and internal guidance systems that are our link to divinity, we won't stray much. All know the way, few actually walk it. Words to that effect is a quote I've seen often. And it's like a cartoon I, I've seen with two images. And the first is a man at a podium asking a crowd, 
who wants change? And all hands go up. And the second, who wants to change? And <laughs> no hands, no takers. <laughs> but you can't put new wine into old bottles and you can't have your cake and eat it. But, but you can't put new wine into old bottles. You can't have your cake and eat it. Those truisms, they call them truisms for a reason. You really have to let go and release old constructs if you want to change. You have to have a bit of a clean out. You have to make way for a new you because a new you can't coexist with the old you. You can't change but stay the same. So really, all you can do with the past is learn from it and let it go. Many are called but few are chosen is another quotable quote. My point, though, is that although people often say they want to be better, they want to be more, they want to be more in tune, they're not really willing to make the effort to let the many concepts and constructs that block their involvement die. Those, those deaths I was talking about at the beginning. And those that do are often pariahs. Think about the local parish priests, if you live in a parish. Parishioners may respect the priest, but they don't necessarily want him around all the time. They don't want him in the house 24-7. Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, those would be a heck of a challenge, and they would all be considered radical. I mean, on a much more mundane level, I can assure you, I can't talk like this to most people I've known in my life. As it is, many people think I'm... I don't know what they think, but they think I'm irresponsible. And they project all sorts of issues my way. Issues, their issues, born of fear-based conditioning. They're enmeshed in the matrix. I do digress, I think. <laughs> I, I do digress. My initial point was that we need to be comfortable with death. And bear in mind that before you incarnated, you chose the moment of your death. I will go into that in other posts. But you chose the moment of your death. You weren't afraid of death. You didn't have this disconnect that people are. You weren't afraid of death before you were born. You weren't out of touch. You didn't have the disconnect. I'm not saying you do, but many people have this disconnect. Death is our final exam on this plane of existence, so it makes sense to prepare for this last test. Unless you believe that death's an end to you and that you merely return to dirt and I don't think you'd be listening to me if, it, if you did. Wouldn't you like to pass to the next grade with distinction and some inkling of where you came from, what it's all about, where you're headed? And for this, an open mind is necessary because whatever anyone tells you about anything, including me, you have to judge for yourself. And to do that, you have to be able to perceive with understanding. And a shuttered, conditioned mind can't do that. And our minds close up when we cop out or buy into the illusions peddled by the manipulative, by the powerful. When we shut out the rest of the universe, by doing that, we blinker and enslave ourselves. When we become attached to the illusory, we remain fixed when all life is about change and then we stagnate. Just go
we become senile. It's not the province of the old and infirm, of people soon to die physically. Senility, senility can set in at any time. Having a closed mind cuts one off from life in its fullness. And it's stunting at best, and it's suicide by installments at worst. It seems to me that most people are happy being some kind of content, not necessarily happy. Content in their discontent. Maybe that's why people like to grumble so much. It seems to be a pastime of many. They're happy to stay in the matrix. But if you want to be more you, and by that I mean approach God, because that is what it means to be more you, you'll have to have a look at what reality is. Eckhart Tolle, for one, has wonderful ways of describing or differentiating between an egotistical way of deriving a sense of self and aiming always at a higher consciousness, presence, he calls it. And for sure, I want the pilot of the plane I'm on to be using his egocentric brain to make sure we have a safe journey, but I also want him to park that with the plane and to be open and grow as he, when he steps off or when he stops to park it with the plane. I do believe that all information in every universe is able. I do believe that all information in the universes is available to all at any time. Yes, life forms are yes, life forms are limited in their ability to tap into that information. But that's also part of life's goal. I talked. I'm, I said earlier about bridging the gap between your conscious and your subconscious, your prefrontal lobe and the universe. Therein lie all the answers, including the answers about life, including the answers about death or the life after this life. Just to, just to put into perspective our views of reality, you know, humans can only see 1% of the visible light spectrum. That means that on a purely biological level, we don't know 99% of what's around. We can't, on, that means that on a purely biological level, we can't see 99% of what's going on. So where are we really when it comes to perceiving things on a mental, emotional, and spiritual level? Where are we in terms of grasping what reality really is? I recall a guide saying, if only humans could see like cats, many animals can see spirit. Never mind, much more of the light spectrum. Do they go around, do they go to sometimes bizarre lengths to avoid death to prolong life? No. We're a desperately scared bunch. <laughs> and fear is a killer in itself. I hope by now you've got my rambling drift. That is to let go of your infinitesimally small ideas of what life in the universe is all about. Let them die little deaths. Stop, look, listen. Hey, say a little ceremony, but let them go. Observe and be open to taking more in, to change. Be mindful, be still, and be courageous. It takes guts to go against the flow. Live a good life so that when you do die, when you do go into that examination room, you don't go fearfully. And you go in knowing that that exam is just another, and you go in knowing that that exam is just a step on the bridge to another part of your life. 
just as any exam you ever took. I'll talk more of life beyond this physical plane in other posts. But I'd like to... I'd like to sum up, I guess, with something that the lovely Debbie Fernarello, she has Divine Directions with Debbie on YouTube and that website as well. She posted something. It was guidance for a specific day, but I've kept it because I think it's relevant for any and every day. Do you ever wonder if your self-definition has become too rigid, too fixed around what you've come to learn so that you contract your life into zones of safe versus unsafe? This here is okay, but over there, well... That might be too risky. So judgment, fear, self-righteousness, and overconfidence are only some of the traits that keep you from evolving. We are all products of our conditioning, so remember that this is part of the human experience. Yet you're not meant to remain static. Seeking only what you expect, even if it appears ambitious, is still too narrow. You go nowhere when you hesitate to move out of your comfort zone when you focus too much on yourself this way, you become a servant of the ego. It edges God out, removing the magic of possibility. Imagine looking into a mirror and seeing only what you are now. If you can let your self-definition soften, moving beyond the veil to your potential, a magical emptiness exists where all things are possible. Look again. Who could you be? What would you see reflected if you allowed yourself to be other than how you define yourself now? Nothing less is required of you now. In this moment, let go of who you think you are and allow a new you to emerge. You'll recognize yourself as what you are, a partner in co-creation in service to the divine. Doesn't it feel good? I'm going to say a definite yes. Because it reminds me of a song that I woke up with one day. I often do. Music's my thing. So I often get songs by the Moody Blues. Now you know how nice it feels. Now you know how nice it feels. Scatter good seed in the fields. Life's ours for the making. Eternity's waiting. Waiting for you and me. Now you know that you are real. Show your friends that you and me belong to the same world. Turned on to the same word. Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? <laughs> I'm not going to win any singing prizes, but I can heartily recommend Debbie. Our meeting with her helped get me off my butt and start this. I can also recommend someone else who's had it great. I can also recommend White Feather Terror. Check her out on YouTube. Check her out on YouTube. A woman with immaculate hands. Her readings that I've chosen, you have to pick a card every time. So it's not entirely passive. If I could com if I compile all the things, if I compile all the readings, it would probably explain me and my situations better than I can. And I think that's amazing. And that comes back to all information is available. It's all around us all the time. 
because those are general readings for anybody on the planet who happens to pick them. And they are so personal, so pertinent to so many people if you go through her comments. I also like Gregory Scott Terror, his daily terror, as well as his weekly astrological. Uh, I also like Gregory Scott Terror, his daily terror. I also like Gregory Scott, his daily terror, as well as his projections. If you find value in what I'm sharing, please subscribe to my podcast. And always remember, you're a sliver of divinity. So keep your sliver shining, reflecting back to God and to all life, and don't let anyone dull your shine. You can also get in touch with me regarding mental healing and clearing of negativity. I go into that in a lot more detail in a post entitled Ghostbusting, and even in my introduction to Aim at Onement. My email is adrian at onement at gmail.com.